ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals It has been hit the record button, Simon. You're doing it. You're like you're shape shifting every time I see you, man. <laughs> Seriously. It, you'll, you'll like these. Hold on a sec. Here, let's see let's it. Get, let's get these out. Let's. Ah. Whoa, baby. You're like a Viking or something, man. Yeah, I got some nice braids going. That's what I was trying to show you, anyways. You're like a you're like a Norse Viking or something. Like, <laughs> you're always changing on me. Mm, some, somebody told me I look like a Norse god. Yeah, you could like, be well, sore. You might be. Yeah. <laughs> I said you haven't seen me with my shirt off. I'm the Norse god of wine or something. I don't even drink, but you know, I, <laughs> I'm this not is... as cut as, uh, as 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 Thor should be. It's the real love and thunder coming. That's right. Simon, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> love handles and thunder thighs. Baby. Oh, man. <laughs> so, dude, man, I watched Wind River at the last minute last night. I was like, I got so crazy. I was like, I have to watch yeah. this. I have to. And I was blown away. I was like blown away. Man. So I wanted to rewatch it, but I couldn't. I mean, not, not that I didn't have the time. All of us are so busy all the time, yeah. but I could have made time for it. Yeah. But every time I thought about rewatching it, I was not emotional. Let, let's just say emotionally stable enough yeah. to consider watching such a powerful film Oof. again. You know what I mean? I, I was just like, no, no, I can't go through that again right now. Yeah, it's heavy, man. It's heavy. Like, it, 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 there are scenes in that movie. I'll tell you the, the the one scene that I was like, no, just just stop pretending you're not crying right now, Eli. Yeah. You know that that be, when when the father <clears throat> of the victim, the main victim of the story, yeah is uh sitting there with uh, his painted face yeah yeah he says i'm wearing my death mask and the other character asks him how did you know how to do that and he says i don't i just made it up there's yeah. no one left to teach me yeah and i just wow i i i feel like we are not unique in this way, you and I, but I feel like we, we have similar, not similar ways of placing importance on heritage. Yeah. I think, I, I think you as an African-American and, and, and not just African, you know, but, but there, there's an importance on heritage there. Right. I've grown up Mormon. My family on my mother's side has been Mormon since the time of Joseph Smith. Yeah. There's a real heritage there, whether you want it or not. Yeah. So to somebody for to to hear from somebody to say, there's no one left to teach me my own heritage. Yeah. That's heartbreaking for me. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. It really like 
drove a stake through your heart about the plight of Native Americans and yeah. the, the desolation and the kind of destruction of it. And even like Jeremy Renner, my one of my favorite scenes was when he was in the hospital with Elizabeth Olsen's character. Oh, so he yeah. got lucky. You know, we got lucky. He said, no, luck, luck happens in cities. That happens there. He said, out here, you either survive or you surrender. And then that hit me like a ton of bricks when he said that. I was like, ooh. I love that. There are certain places in the world. And I, I was writing to a friend about this recently. I said, you know, when I lived in Brazil for two years, I felt oddly at home there. And you wouldn't suspect that from somebody who grew up in Alaska. But yeah. here's how they were the same. Once again, same, different. They were both very extreme places. And while both places have been um settled you can say in in certain areas if you go outside those areas it's really plain to see that the land kind of doesn't want you to be there yeah does that make sense yes like yeah. alaska kind of wants to kill you right yeah <laughs> yeah you know i mean it, it it doesn't so so I, I totally related to that saying, I grew up in the city of, of Anchorage, Alaska. So it's not like I was in some wilderness trying to yeah. survive, but I understood that viewpoint of living in a place where th the land itself seems at opposition with your existence. Yeah, I get that. Like just, just the scenery and how they made it. I was like, man, this is like, it's kind of like we said last when we did with the CGI. And, yeah. and like, it looks so fake. There's no, nothing fake about this. The snow, I mean, the cold. For, for a moment, were you ever taken out of it by thinking about, you know, whether it's an interior shot or an exterior shot, the interior shots look like a home somebody lives in. Yeah, that's right. The exterior shots look, I mean, you, you never for a moment, am I wondering if that's fake snow or if, you no. know, it just looks the way they described it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as dangerous and as cold and as miserable as their, um, which is a great be, being able to, they did both. They showed and tell. Yeah. They did. But, but in a lot of movies, they have to tell because they, they have, they're not, for whatever reason, they're not showing it to you. Maybe they yeah. don't have the skill, the capacity, the budget, whatever it is, or, or maybe they don't have a good enough script. So oftentimes, you know, you hear, you, you, they either talk up the villain or the hero instead of just showing how terrible they are. Yeah. I was just talking to the kids last, last night. One of my kids was really interesting. They, they said, you know, dad, um, when they were younger, they said they thought the Marvel movies were just flawless masterpieces. <laughs> And now that they're older, they just went and watched the new Doctor Strange mm -hmm. and they're 16 now. And they said, now I'm criticizing everything. <laughs> and we were laughing about that. And maybe there needs to be a balance there, some kind of forgiveness yeah. for, the, for the filmmaker. But at the same time, as an audience, letting the filmmakers know we have more expectations of them. You've yeah. raised the bar, now raise it again. Raise it again because now our expectations are, are higher now. So you need to take it to the next level. We, we can't, and, and this is kind of what our conversation was revolving around. It's like, we don't want 
a world ending conflict in every movie. That's right. A reality ending conflict. We we're actually talking about the doctor and this is way off topic, but it's on topic. I promise. Yeah. Um, the doctor strange character itself. I was saying, I, I was musing that how much more interesting would the doctor strange series be if it was treated more like an X-file. Mm, yeah. Instead of, oh, I have to stop Dormammu or whoever <laughs> from, you know, yeah. taking the earth and changing it to their reality or whatever, something like that. What if there was just one simple murder that seemed so extraordinary that the only explanation was a magical force and who better to deal with the unexplained magical than the Sorcerer Supreme to come yeah. and investigate. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a plot in which I, I just, I am co completely burnt out on nation ending, world ending plots. Me too. I'm completely burnt out on it. You know, our, our conversation went into the, the new Star Wars movies versus the original, and we were kind of pitting The Force Awakens versus A New Hope. And I said, all you need to know about The Force Awakens versus A New Hope is how they introduced the villain. When Darth Vader comes, he marches onto that starship behind the stormtroopers who have already eradicated the resistance. And he just marches through a cloud of smoke and dead bodies. And the next scene you see him in is him holding with one arm, choking a guy, you know, yeah. above the ground with one arm and then throwing him like a rag doll. <laughs> yeah. Take that and pit it against Kylo Ren, <laughs> yeah. who before he even talks, somebody's making a joke at him. Yeah. It's the Poe character. He says, how's this work? Do you talk first? Do I talk first? Yeah, exactly. And I said, listen, not, 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 you know, bashing that actor, but the character Poe Dameron is a, is a low budget Han Solo. That's right. But go back to when Han Solo met Darth Vader. Right. He immediately tried to shoot him, saw that that was futile, had his gun taken away by the Darth Vader's force. Yeah. And then he shut the hell up. Yeah. He did not. Uh, how's his work? It's not a joke. First, yeah. Talk for, yeah. Darth Vader ain't somebody to joke with. No. Friendo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just really appreciate. So now tie that back into Wind River. Never for a moment. And the, and the bad guys in this movie, you don't even meet them until the end. No. But never for a moment do you think that anybody's a joke or anybody's not dangerous. Everybody that they come up against feels dangerous. The danger feels real. It does. And Elizabeth Olsen's character, awesome job on her part. She towed the line between... Um, you know, playing the strong young heroine of the story and also being very vulnerable, getting into something she wasn't ready for or prepared for. Yeah. And culminating in that scene that you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, where it's like, she still, even at the end of the film, felt like she was not ready for what she just went through. No. And then Jeremy Renner's character saying, no, no. No, you are a survivor. You survived this and you survived it. 
maybe with a little bit of luck, maybe with a little bit of chance, but by and large, because you yourself are, the, are a tenacious survivor who can yes. overcome things that you don't feel prepared for. Great messaging to the movie. Great messaging. Great messaging that never gets preachy. Never once no. do you feel preached at. Do you feel talked down to? I, no. I can't remember the name of the writer-director, but what a masterful job they did on both writing and directing oh, this movie. Incredible. Just like in thinking about Elizabeth Olsen's character, the standoff with all of the different people at the site when they're all drawing yeah. their guns and she's the one that de-escalates it at least for yeah. a little bit i'm the authority here yes i'm the authority here yes and just like you don't you know she's knocking on the door she's knocking on the door and then like i think we mentioned this last time john berthnall's character is so tiny yet so big he's in it for maybe five minutes it's nothing minutes almost tops but it's so big. And I like how they went to that part. Like when they were, she was knocking on the door and you're thinking he's going to open the door. Yep. And he does, but a different, it's like a different scene from yes. a flashback. And it's, it's like amazing. just so wonderfully done. So wonderful. And done. how they flip the script on everything that you've been brought up to assume to that point, to that point, you, I, I feel like you're making all of the white man assumptions yeah. about what went down. That's right. She she was kind of a bad seed. She was making these bad mistakes, and yeah. you know she was kind of prostituting herself or whatever. She was out partying, being irresponsible, and then they go to this flashback that only lasts maybe ten minutes. I, I can't remember. It might have even been longer than yeah. that, but it's done so well you don't even notice that time's passing. Um, but they flip the script on you completely. And they say, okay, everything you assume you assumed up to this point, that's on you. Yeah. In this story, we never told you any of that stuff. You assumed it. Yes. Because we're dealing with the res and Native Americans and all of the baggage that you as as maybe white people or whoever, outsiders, yeah. let's just say Outsider, have yeah. have been told is the reality there. Yeah. It's it's truly breathtaking and i also like i don't know what you thought about this but like natalie who was you know raped and who died outside when you finally when they finally figure out how far she ran oh, he man. goes that's a warrior yeah. and the way he and essentially killed that guy the way he mm -hmm. did it was so counter to any movie you've ever he let the land kill him so poetic it's so poetic he said that's a warrior you won't last 600 yards yeah she lasted six miles that's a warrior and think she spent all that effort to come and see john berthnall's character he was impressed by that and then she yeah. spent effort trying to survive all that yes. time and I, th I thought that that said a lot about native american people and the survival of this ethnicity uh, exactly oh man you, you mentioned you know that this movie is dealing with you know the genocide and the eradication of this culture and yes. we talk about those things too oftentimes in the past tense yes and we don't talk about how it's still going on today we don't talk about how today there are languages 
that up until now have been spoken that are dying out. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know, pretty soon there's no culture left. Yeah. And, and I will say um, as a white American who has European ancestry that came over, uh, you know, beginning with governor Bradford, you know, um, not blood related, but one of my ancestors was married to one of William Bradford's, like granddaughters or something. Anyway, you know, so the, my family kind of just goes back that far and that deep. But that is my point in bringing that up is that my American heritage here is so young. Yeah. I don't really have one. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't have an ancient culture as an American, as a right. white American, to say, oh, I'm losing my heritage. Right. Because I, I don't, even though we've done our genealogy and I, and I know about my European ancestry and stuff like that, I don't really honor that ancestry by carrying on traditions from the old world. Yeah. So I don't have like a much of a heritage to lose. So sometimes it's easy to forget that a much more ancient people like the indigenous American, you know, people of the Americas, how much is being lost? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't have anything to lose. <laughs> I just no. don't. No. And they, I, I, I got done. My wife had watched it when it originally came out in the movie theaters back in the day. And she was like, it just haunted me when I went and watched it. But and I, when I got done, I said, you know, it's just crazy. It's like, and rightfully so that we are putting a lot of emphasis on different ethnicities who have been unrepresented, underrepresented in those things and uh, LGBTQI and the whole thing. I was like, we're giving indigenous people nothing. We're, there's like nothing happening yeah. that I yeah. know of. I may be ignorant to this. I could be very ignorant, but on the mainstream consciousness, zero that I can see of, you know? Yeah, there's smaller movements that i know there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good work yeah but but what you're saying the mainstream consciousness i agree with you there's nothing happening yeah um i actually have like a lot of people i have native american ancestry as well and actually my uh eldest daughter sunny really took it upon herself to do much more research into that and she's kind of embraced some of that and I think that's beautiful and really wonderful. And she's helped educate myself and some of the rest of my family because we actually thought we were even from a different tribe than we were. Yeah. <laughs> so she's done some more of the genealogical work to say, no, actually we're this tribe and we're this and things mm -hmm. like that. And um, anyway, it's been really interesting and fascinating. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, I get it because no. I have, you know, I don't get it, you know. No. Yeah, I have a like a great grandfather that was kind of like full blooded Native American, mm -hmm. but I have no connection to him. So I'm not yeah, claiming any of that. Sure. Um, but just from a perspective of study and, um, and, and just learning more about it, the culture is so fascinating and it's so rich and it's so ignored. Yes in 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 lieu of other cultures and i think most of that comes from frankly the bias of the reservation yeah 
because you know and <laughs> possibly the idea of the noble savage which is which is such Crazy. a term that is so amazing to me that it was ever coined um but you know i mean that's our history and and, and i you know there's i have this conversation with people all the time about whether it's christianity or america and things like that and it's never to say don't be christian don't be american or don't be don't be you know grateful that you're a christian or american or any of these things but if you go back in time a lot of what you're claiming and you're claiming to be proud of you would be disgusted with that's exactly right now and and, and to pretend otherwise i think it's just really really unhealthy oh um, definitely and, and i'm even going back to the roots of christianity yeah the roots of christianity whether or not we want to observe it or accept it is based on human sacrifice which we would normally talk about as a um you know maybe maybe we term it as like a barbaric thing yeah which is not a good use of barbarians are much more complex than we give them credit for but anyway um but even the animal sacrifice that was practiced for thousands of years pre-jesus and then the whole idea that the the entire faith of christianity relies on a human sacrifice if you were to talk about that in any other context you would think it was something diabolical or satanic involved in it and the only thing separating it from being diabolical or satanic is the fact that you believe in it yeah (laughs) crazy so it's a and indigenous american mythologies are so complex and so interesting and they're so much more interesting and fun than anything christianity has to offer (laughs) I mean, just look up, you know, go ahead and Google like mythological stories about coyotes penis. Yeah. Weird, zany, funny, hilarious stuff. And it was really obvious that unlike Christianity, which is a very, um, mostly I would say, is a very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Literal belief Mm -hmm. system we literally believe in all these things would be a christian point of view whereas you know uh, an indigenous american mythology uh you you listen to the stories and you got to say man these guys had a really great sense of humor and they were just kind of making up stuff and they knew it i mean that's my take on it anyway right yeah because when you when you read some of these stories or, or you hear them told by by um a native storyteller and things like that you're like man these stories are insane and fun and hilarious and they created god there's a you know there's an indigenous american god for farting you know i mean <laughs> they, they just had fun with it yeah christians don't tend to be much fun <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's a whole other conversation on that <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. I mean. but but, the, but going back to the point that, that because they had fun with it, there's a richness there that I think is sometimes sorely lacking in the rigid specificness yeah. of Christian belief. 
and the literalness of Christian belief and not, and, and, and the Christian uh, uh, culture's inability to oftentimes grapple with metaphor and have to, and have to say everything's literal instead of (laughs) accepting metaphor. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that there is, I was just talking about this too, that there is mystery in what we believe and it's okay to have mystery. I mean, yeah, there's many things I can't prove. I just have to believe it, you know, or I, I mean, I don't really like when you talk about God and spirits and stuff like, I don't, I mean, how do I know? Like a phys- is it a physical form? Is it the universe? Mm-hmm. Like, can somebody tell me for sure? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, you know, it, it, but, but I think that, Native American culture has so much richness to it and so much um, tragedy to it yeah. that I think as, as an American, and that's just a loaded term to me anyways, too. Like as yeah. an American, you can't look back and pound your chest about this and not see the atrocities. Like if you're just full on denial, okay, you want to deny it, but th- the truth is there. It's not something made up. It's just bad. No. It's literally yeah. just bad. Like yeah. you think a Ukraine invasion, that's bad. So bad. What we've yeah. done is even worse throughout the course of our time. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. We weren't trying to even annex something no. or, or like, <laughs> like regain, you know, theoretically regain control of something. We were just outright stealing. Stealing and committing genocide to do so correct you know i mean there's there's no other way around it there's no other <laughs> yeah. terms you can say there's no there, there's no like well we were westward expanding okay <laughs> it's like yeah like, uh, manifest destiny it's like mm, mm. yeah so yeah <laughs> what's the difference between that and hitler killing the jews which is tell me the difference exactly what's the difference like it's it's just bloodshed everywhere and i think we have such a huge disconnect partially with indigenous culture also like we just also don't have much contact with indigenous culture as as a nation we have put people into these reservations far off places that feel like there's just no hope i mean there are several reservations uh, up where I live, and you know this part of the country, it's it's there's littered with a lot of reservations in mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest, and and you if if you listen to this or you watch this and you've never been on a reservation, I certainly have. It is uh, it's stark. It yeah. is it is so depressing on many levels. Like it is it's worse than you think in many ways. But when do most people actually have that contact? for that they just are weird most humans are removed from indigenous culture they're just removed from it it i mean most people are removed from black people <laughs> like <it's> like, <laughs> i'm not gonna see any indigenous people i mean it's like you kidding Don't me say that you're my one black friend i know it's like yeah, it's you know it's so many or they're removed from muslim people or they're removed from whoever it's just these massive silo monoculture situations so then when you see a movie like Wind River, Wind River, you are like transported to like, oh shit, that happened. 
that, that goes, happened. That that goes back to that quote I shared with you about, uh, or uh, Roger Ebert's quote about why we like good movies mm. because they transport you to the perspective. And I'm paraphrasing poorly, but the perspective of a different culture, a different economic class that that, that you're you're used to. So it doesn't matter yeah. who you are. If if you're if you're a you know, a poor white guy or a rich black guy, you know, but then you watch a movie that transports you to somebody else's culture, somebody else's thing. And the embracing of that, I was really happy, happy to see how well Wind River was received. I don't know actually what its box off. Yeah, I don't know either. This was, but it was critically received really well. And I was, I was like, thank goodness, because more movies like this need to be made. And, and, um, you know, it's really interesting. I, we demonize a lot of people like John Wayne and, and perhaps rightfully so. I, I don't know enough about his personal life. I'm never yeah, curious enough about celebrity, but Same. I have grown up watching a lot of John Wayne movies. And I can tell you that there's a difference between the movies he made when he was younger and the movies that he made when he was older. And in quite a few movies he made when he was older, it was actually kind of championing. Uh, in the rights and respect of indigenous peoples. And one movie in particular just came to mind, which is, I mean, if, if I tell people I like this movie, they're going to judge me, but it's called McClintock. Mm-hmm. And it's about John Wayne as a rich uh, cattle baron who owns all this land and used to be an Indian fighter and used to fight with the tribes that he's now friendly with. Um. And it's all about being a man and putting his woman in her place. And, you know, it's, there's so many things wrong with this movie. I'm not here to defend it (laughs) uh, as a whole, but there are scenes that there's two scenes in particular that are worth their weight in gold. And there's one scene where he's talking to his daughter and and he's talking about how he's not going to leave his daughter and whoever she marries a bunch of land and a bunch of cattle because he wants her to grow together with her husband and not just be rich. Yeah. And, and he even says, you know, what he is going to leave to her is a lot more than he and her mother had. And there's a lot of growing that happens when two people build something together. That's a, a wonderful scene. It's an amazing scene. But the other scene is when John Wayne uh, is, his character is speaking at this trial in in um, in defense of uh, these the tribal the, the tribe that's there and is being run out basically, and there's a couple of genius things that they did with this scene. One is that they have John Wayne speaking on behalf of the Native Americans that he is so famous for in his movies fighting against. Yeah. The other is that John Wayne doesn't use his own words. Instead, he's translating what has been written for him to say by the tribal elders. So he doesn't take it upon himself to be white savior. And in no point in the movie does he save these indigenous people. They work it out for themselves, you know, and they do their own thing. And I won't talk too much more about that movie, but the fact that he, of course, in court, you know, they're going to listen to a white guy more than they are going to listen to the tribal elders. But the fact that, that they had the consciousness to have him speak their words instead of his own, 
which of course is being written by white people, I'm sure for the script, but the script writers are conscious enough to say, we're going to have him speak their words, not his. I just think there was, there was so many things so good about this movie and, and and how they, they did those things. And this is back in the sixties. Yeah. And we haven't come very, and we haven't come farther from that. You know, we haven't gotten any real, I mean, with exception to movies like this one, Wind River and, and, and some other things, to your point, once again, in the national consciousness, we haven't moved the needle. No. At all. On I this mean, conversation. We haven't given them their own voice. And we haven't recognized it. And, no. And it's, it's a tragic thing. And what do you expect from a people who you've taken everything from? Exact, that's exactly right. That's, you know? It's almost similar to, I talk about this, like the plight of indigenous native people is on some level very similar to the plight of black and African-American people yeah. on some level, like the, the level of desecration and slavery and destruction. I mean, you can, there's varying levels, but it's still this whole concept of get yourself together pull yourself together, work harder. Okay, you know, there are such things as generational trauma. I can tell Mm -hmm. you this, as a black man, I feel the history of my people. I don't even know, I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. Like, like, but I I feel it. Like I feel that it's in, it's deep within me. And I feel being black, you feel it. There's something different there. It's hard to, to make it. And I would imagine, is very similar with indigenous people. It just it's it just runs through you like a freight train. You can't help it, whether you try yeah. to run from it or not. It just becomes very apparent. And how does a nation of underrepresented people like that, how are they supposed to move forward on their own after so many centuries of being persecuted and put down? How does that yeah. the actually the people who have the narrative, who created the narrative have to be a large part of helping. You can't just say that these people must pick themselves up and do it themselves. It's just impossible. Like, yeah. I just don't see it. It is. And, and you know, that's, that's when conversations about things like reparations and things like that, I'm mm-hmm. all for it. And I don't know how, you know, I'm not an educated enough person to know what form and, and yeah. how those things need to, need to take place and things like that. But I, I do know that in order for people to move forward, so take myself for example um i uh have inherited um being born into a family of uh uh, what i'm trying to say just medium economic stature Mm -hmm. you know not rich not poor sure but closer to rich than poor i i I won't i won't not not even close to rich but closer And had a lot of privilege in my life because of that. I was born into the religion I, I, I came into and, and things like that. So what I'm trying to say is I have all of these built-in things, these built-in yeah. advantages. And, and I'm trying not to use the word privilege because I know that's a hot button word. So I'm just going to say advantages. Mm-hmm. But I was born with so many advantages at my disposal that were ripped away from other people or that they would never had in in the first place. And let's take African-Americans as a prime example of this. 
how do you go from slavery to successful? You have nothing to inherit from slavery. You know, there's no, there, there, your culture has been ripped from you. You have no, you don't own land. You don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I was born into a, an already established set of advantages that if I were to fail in my life, it would be because I did something horribly wrong. Right. Not be, you know, I mean, the, the, what somebody of African-American heritage has to do to be successful versus what I would have to do in my life to be successful. I mean, we're talking about the difference between, you know, walking down the street or running a marathon. Of course, you know I mean? of course, man. <laughs> I actually have a good story about this real quick. Like, um, you know, I was telling my wife who's white and I said, listen, you know, we're, we're on the coast here. We live basically on the beach. We've got a gold mine for a home like this thing, the housing market. And I said, I want you to understand this. I, I'm not trying to be offensive when I say this. I said, this is, I said, this is what white people have done. They've taken advantage of land ownership and have had equity and moved up and, you know, generations of passing things down. I said, I want that. I want that. And I said, this, yes. this, is, this is our ticket for that here to potentially move at some point and then create a larger amount of wealth because of the market down the line. And she, she's like, I just never thought about it that way. I said, how could you think about it that way? Yeah. And I was like, my job is to tell you that this is a rare opportunity for someone like me. And I will not let that go. I will not let that go. My people, we've never had stuff like this. And I think it just, it like dawned on her. It's just like, how could I argue against that? Yeah. Like, I can't argue against that. Like this sets up both us and our daughter who was black, African-American. Mm-hmm. And I said, you, you, you have, think about this mindset. I'm like, my great, great grandfather was a slave. I was like, look how far the Parker family has come from there. You think I'm going to give that up? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. no way. I was like, you're crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. And I think that was like a watershed moment for my wife to realize, like, hey, listen, this, I don't take this stuff for granted. I'm not saying she does, but my thought process is definitely different than someone else who is not me. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And to, to, to take that to, to, to today and say um, minorities who've been pushed out of or not allowed into the nice neighborhoods yeah. historically, who've not been allowed to uh, invest in the, the better real estate, the better housing markets and things like that. And then to turn around and say, well, why aren't you doing better? Why aren't you yeah, more what's... successful? Yeah. You know, uh, the, the play and, and movie Raisin in the Sun deals yes. exactly with this, you know, subject matter. And it does so in a beautiful, beautiful way. Yes. I challenge great anybody play. to go watch that play or yeah. watch that movie with Sidney Poitier and so many other great actors, Lou Gossett Jr. and all these other people. I mean, I dare anybody to go and watch that and understand that it's it's not just a play. It's actually a true story. <laughs> right. And go watch that and tell me that you know african-american people or, or other uh, minorities yeah. who've been in similar situations 
should have built, you know, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps by I now. Know, so you know, ridiculous. it's like, I mean, this legacy of slavery is more than um, slavery itself. It has to do with all the prejudice and racism that goes on after it. That's the real legacy. The legacy, yes, there's a legacy within the African-American community, but then there's a legacy outside that community that is exactly what we're talking about. It says, we don't want our community mixing with yours or your community. Yeah. Better said, we don't want your community yeah. mixing with ours. Yeah. That's the real legacy there that is so destructive yes. to, to people being able to better their circumstances and level the playing field. Yeah, most definitely. And it's just uh, this movie, just, it just brought me back to all of that. You know, and sometimes I'm be honest with you, straight up honest. Sometimes when you're black, I mean, you you always know you're black, but sometimes it's not always in your consciousness when you're just living your life all the time. Sure. You know, but then like there's certain points when like it feels more elevated. And I I like at least on some level, people of my ethnicity have had some opportunities. Indigenous people, I mean. And I don't know, man. I, I don't know of a lot of opportunity. I, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm naive to it, but it doesn't seem like it, you know? So I never want to throw anybody under the bus, so I won't name any names. Yeah. But recently somebody told me of an experience, and this is somebody in a generation older than you and I, that they said that they were up for a scholarship and they didn't get it. And they were a straight A student and it was given to an indigenous mm -hmm. person who got worse grades than, than they did. Yeah. And they, they said that they felt like, you know, that was offensive to them because they felt like they had earned the scholarship, whereas the other person just got it because of their mm -hmm. culture and their hair, their, their race. And I, I decided that wasn't a battle I wanted to fight in that moment. Yeah. But the thought yeah. that came into my head was like, well, I guess when somebody commits genocide against your people, we can talk about whether or not you'll get that scholarship. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Seriously, like, man. I mean, you're going to begrudge somebody a scholarship after they've been, after you, we've committed genocide against their people. It's the least I you mean, could do. I mean, it's like I the mean, bottom give level. Them a doggone scholarship. For <laughs> yeah. I mean, come I on. Mean, I mean, college should be free for all indigenous people. I mean, seriously. I mean, those education. are the kind of reparations that yeah. I think uh, are the bare minimum we could do. State schools, it should for be sure. free for these uh, uh, different uh, indigenous peoples. And, um, you know, if that means, a white person has to choose a different school so be it so you know i it. mean yeah. I, I, you know i and i'm not even i am not a crusader of, of the politically correct yeah in fact in fact i kind oh, we of know stand this on the opposite we know this side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's like if anybody's been listening to this jesus the bastard me, yeah we it. know yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean so so don't get me the wrong way that I'm just like this crusader of, you know, uh, in fact, just recently I was telling uh, one of my daughters, I said, you know, one of the best practical jokes of the whole 
um, LGBTQ movement of the last five to 10 years is that uh, the, the stance of saying, uh, wanting everybody to accept that gender is on a spectrum, which I'm totally fine with, by the way, uh, and, and I can get totally down with it. You know, it's not, it's okay. not what I grew up with. So it's kind of a new perspective for sure. me as well within the yes. last 10 years. But I am completely down with it. However, then they go, the, the same people who want you to believe that tell you that you're either an ally or you're not. <laughs> and I was like, well, what about the spectrum? What's the spectrum? Yeah. There's a spectrum here. Isn't man. there a spectrum between ally and non-ally? Can't, yeah. can't we be anywhere along the path? Yeah. Anyway, I just thought, you know, things like that, I think are just so hilarious. And, and, and every movement has hypocrisy within it. Of and course. I think that's just something really important to recognize. And if, if we have um, uh, put ourselves into a situation, whether or not it's a religious or political or any other situation like that, where we have kind of devoted ourselves to that, we have to accept that within that, there is going to be an inherent hypocrisy that we have to grapple with and we have to kind of deal with the paradox of wanting to avow ourselves to something and also see the inherent flaws in it. Um, and, and that has to go along with just generally calling ourselves an American. Yeah. You can be as proud and as flag waving as you want, but you also have to see the general flaws in our history accept them, accept that they still go on today and they still need correcting. And we can argue about the form that takes, but I think the thing that's inarguable is that there is a need to do lots of course correcting and that unfortunately in a lot of ways it's too late, Yeah, but we can still do the best we can with what we have. Well said, my friend. Well said. Uh, man, that's a great way to end it. I mean, very eloquent. And uh, you know, I love these. These things just go from movies to like serious stuff, man. Like, <laughs> like it, it drops into the consciousness of being a human all the time, you know. And hopefully that's what, you know, the messaging of this podcast, this mm -hmm. or these episodes that yeah. you and I are doing of your podcast, hopefully that's the messaging there. Look yep. deeper in these movies that we're watching. They're, you know, I would say very rarely does a writer or a director not want to say something yes. with their movie. Yes. With yes. their film. So, you know, we need to stop watching films so passively mm. because, because even in the silliest comedies, sometimes there's, there's messaging there. And I don't mean that on a superficial political way, but I think there's, you know, people normally do things with intent. Yes. And so when I watch movies, I'm constantly looking for the intent of the film, not to judge it good or bad, just to see what more I can get out of it. Most definitely. Awesome. Simon, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like always blown away by these conversations. I, I know these are so great. I look forward to them so much. I, I'm too. always thinking like, I wish these were twice a month. Uh, we, we can make it we can make it happen we can make it happen we'll talk about it for sure everyone right, thor love and thunder right in front of here you here the norse norse man simon milliman thank you simon thank you take it easy <laughs>